Well, hello, I'm Harry Mitsidis, and I'm talking to Chris Smith on Culture Matters. Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural fails and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters on International Business. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution. He makes you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Every episode, he interviews a prominent guest who will tell you his or her story and share international experiences, making you more cultural competent. And now, here's your host, Chris Smith. Hi there, my name is Chris Smith and you're listening to the Culture Matters Podcast. We're on episode number 124. Um, a good idea is to subscribe to this podcast and when you're at, while you're at it, just leave a five-star review as well. I would really appreciate if you could do so. Okay, let's get to business. Today's guest name is Harry Mitsidis. Um, half Greek, half English, Harry Mitsidis is one of the biggest travelers in the world. Having visited every country in the world by the age of 36 back in 2008, he's now aiming to visit them all again while expanding his cultural understanding of the world diversity. He is the founder of Nomad Mania, which divides the world into 1,281 regions and is the virtual home of many extreme travelers. Let's get right to the interview. It's time for this week's guest at Culture Matters. Good morning, Harry. How are you? I'm doing fine. What about yourself? I'm doing fine as well. I just poured myself a coffee. I had a fight with my coffee machine. Somehow I didn't grind the beans correctly. Okay. So I hope that's not a prelude to uh, to more things because I, I mean, coffee is the black gold, right? It's um, <laughs> it's the, it's the stuff that I'm addicted to, and uh, I think a lot, a lot of the people in the world are addicted to. How anyway, many do you have a day? Um, <laughs> I tend to limit it to two in the morning and maybe one in the afternoon. Right. So All right. That well, that's bad. reasonable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that on purpose as well. I mean, I could drink, I could drink coffee the whole day, really, but it's, um, it's, uh, uh, yeah. I don't think that's healthy either. So there's a cup of coffee next to me and a glass of water as well. All right. So, Harry, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, where do you come from? Where are you now? And what would you consider your so-called cultural frame of reference? Now, that's an interesting question because I'm from a mixed marriage. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, and if I think of my grandparents and my parents and myself, yeah. so that would be, uh, you know, sort of let's uh, five sets of people, uh -huh. you know, uh, all of us were born in different countries. So, uh, so that makes me culturally very mixed. So I'm uh, Harry Mitsidis. Uh, I am a, currently I'm in the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit outside London. I was born in the UK 47 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, but I grew up uh, in Greece. My father's Greek. Mm -hmm. My mother was born in South Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in Athens, Greece, speaking English at home with my parents, though. <laughs> so uh, that means that my cultural frame of reference is a bit uh, blurred. Uh -huh. uh, if I really, really have to say, I would say I am European, you know, and I right. really espouse um, the essence of European values uh, and I feel at home in Europe. Do you speak any other uh, languages than English? 
Well, absolutely, obviously. Uh, I speak relatively, well, Greek fluently. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm almost fluent in Serbian mm -hmm. and Spanish. Mm -hmm. uh, I speak reasonable French, uh, reasonable Dutch, uh, and uh, a little bit of German. Okay, the, um, German I understand, Spanish I understand. Dutch, I understand, because I think you did part of your studies in Rotterdam, if I'm not mistaken. I did, yes. yes. So, although the course was in English. Yeah, 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 yeah the, the Rotterdam School of Management. Yes, yes. Yeah. But Serbian? I mean, that's the odd one out. <laughs> yes, it is, it is. Well, I'll tell you why. Um, I started learning Serbia when Serbia was the bad kid on the block yeah. about 20 years ago, uh -huh. and that was the point. I was like, well, I want to learn a new language and I want to choose a language that no one would learn. Mm -hmm. uh, also, my mother uh, has Polish background, so I was kind of intrigued by Slavic languages, mm -hmm. but Polish seemed like it had too many consonants somehow. Uh, and I ended <laughs> up learning Serbian uh, and I learned it fluently. I, I, It's the only foreign language that I believe I speak almost like a native. So, uh, yeah, there's, there was no real practical reason, but I'm really glad I did it. I was, I was just going to ask India, I was thinking, Harry, how useful has this been for you in your life? Well, um, you see... Now the, the answer is going to surprise me, I guess, right? When you, when you, when you learn a language, then you, you make it useful. So, I mean, what happened mm -hmm. with that is that I gradually started exploring Serbia, I gradually started going there more and more, making friends. And obviously, this was a country that was devastated mm -hmm. in many senses of the word. And so they were dying for contact with outsiders. So anybody who came and then also spoke the language was seen very favorably. So I ended up really connecting with Serbia. Mm -hmm. uh, so ultimately, I'd say it was very useful. You mm -hmm. know, I've created a network. Uh, it's a country that's very little known, uh, but at the same time, extremely beautiful, mm -hmm. a culture that is very mixed. You know, it, it, it kind of takes a lot from Turkey and the East because yeah. of the Ottoman heritage. But mm -hmm. then again, the North was under Austro-Hungary. So you have a very different feel there. Mm -hmm. So it's really a cultural mix that I find very intriguing. So yes, it was very interesting. Mm. Okay, cool. That sounds good. Um, I, I, can, I can imagine, um, I'm writing down uh, some, as we, as we progress, I write down questions to ask. So, uh, like last week or two weeks ago when we initially had contact, you wrote me an email that you were on a ship in the middle of the Pacific um, at, <laughs> and you, <laughs> yeah. you were trying to, or, or try or planning to get to, to the UK by now to do, uh, amongst other things, this interview. What, what was going on there? Well, look, I'm I'm one of the big travelers of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, this developed gradually, uh, and I've been to every country. Mm -hmm. uh, there's 193 UN countries. I've done almost all of them twice. Okay. Uh, I'm also a founder of a website called Nomad Mania, which is like well, yeah. uh, which is a, a travel community. And anyway, mm -hmm. we some of the members from there often join forces and we we go on trips which are really a bit 
well, offbeat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that I was on a boat that left Easter Island and made its way to uh, Tahiti, going through Pitcairn and some of the French Polynesian islands. So uh, it was a two-week cruise. Uh, it was one of the easy trips because it was really a cruise, but it was a group of travellers. Almost like family, really, hmm. uh, a bit of a reunion, uh, and that's why I happened to be on the ship. Luckily, the internet was incredibly good. I was really surprised, so I could keep in touch while we were sailing in the middle of the Pacific. You know. Hmm. Um, so, I was thinking, I was uh, geo- geo- geographically imagining where Tahiti is, and I mixed it up with Haiti. Haiti, I think the Americans say Haiti. I would say. Yeah. So, yeah, where Haiti, are we yeah. in Tahiti? Well, we are in the Pacific. We are in French Polynesia, mm-hmm. uh, which is almost, I think, that well, the time difference between where you are now mm-hmm. and uh, French Polynesia is 12 hours. Right. So I guess it's noon where you are and it's midnight there. Right. Uh, so, you know, yeah. it's really the other side of the yes. world. Um, when, when you... There's a you said this grad is you're the reason you're on the podcast, Harry, is this because you were mentioned by uh, another guest that was earlier on the on the on the show as well, and he suggested you as being one of the the, the biggest travelers in the world. Um, I didn't know that was a profession, uh, and, and the question <laughs> that sort of links to that: How do you? When do you decide to call yourself or be a traveler? Well, I, I don't think it's a decision. It's a process. Uh-huh. You know, obviously, it takes a certain personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be fearless and you need to be very curious. And then gradually you, you explore the world. You go further. You know, you start with places where it's normal to go. Uh, and then it becomes less normal. Example? And then ultimately, can, can you well, you know, you start with you start with Thailand and Malaysia and maybe, I don't know, South Africa and Brazil. And then you go to, say, Kenya and Ghana mm-hmm. and uh, Iran, maybe. And then gradually you end up being in Guinea-Bissau and Somalia and uh, places that people have never heard of. And, right. and by, by the end of this process, you've become a big traveler. You know, it, it's not something you decide. It, it kind of happens to you uh, in an unplanned way, I would say. But wasn't there like a, wasn't there like a, wasn't it like a moment where you say, hang on, I've done so many countries. How many countries are there? I'm going to visit them all. Uh, well, there was a moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was sometime uh, when I did Afghanistan, which had always been very difficult. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I did it. And then I'm like, well, if I've done Afghanistan, then surely I can do them all, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then, yeah, in the end, I did. So you were sitting at a Starbucks in um, in, in Kabul? Or... <laughs> <laughs> well, not quite, not quite. Not quite. Um, well, no. it, 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 it was just a sense that you know, I've done something so hard and I've been to a place that was impossible to go to before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's also... Uh, I always say, you know, remember that procession at the Olympic Games when you have all these countries and, you know, the names. And there was a point when I I was like, well, you know, I want to have a mental image of each of these places. I don't want to see a picture of them. I don't want someone to tell me about them. I want to experience them and to be able to have an opinion myself. Uh Uh, And I think when, when you want it, then gradually you make it happen. Yeah, yeah, it's like it starts with an idea, and eventually that idea becomes. I mean, what, what, whatever you give attention grows in a way. 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And obviously, things need to fall into place. I imagine there's a number of people who would like to be able to travel all the time, but somehow it doesn't happen to, because it's not always so easy. So there's a number of factors that need to come together to then allow this to happen. And in my case, they just did. So is that something you you believe in, or or because I tend to believe more so. It's like there's a saying that says everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. In other words, you know, <laughs> people want to lose weight, for instance, but they don't want to. They don't want to be hungry. They want to get in shape, but they don't want to get up and, and go to the gym. I mean, people want to travel, but in the end, they don't really want to travel. I mean, they want to travel, but they want it the easy way. Am I making any sense with that? Yeah, well, we're probably saying the same thing, but in a different way, yeah. you know. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think many people just don't realize that the choice is theirs, you know, and they think, well, I can't because I have obligations or mm -hmm. I have a, a job or a family. And they don't realize that if they really wanted to, they could make their life yes. be the life they, they really dreamt of. I guess it just means that they don't want it badly enough. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what I that's that's the yeah. thing I, I believe in is indeed as well. And there yeah. then there's the excuse of the mortgage that need to be paid and stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's let's and this I don't mean I don't sound make this want to make this sound as, as criticizing people that have a nine to five job and, and, and all that stuff is good. So in the, but in the end, um, in, in the greater scheme of things, I, I think it remains a choice. Well, I, I actually admire these people. I really do, because I think it's the one thing I could never do. Yeah. Now, if you told me you have to have a nine to five job, I think eventually I'd end up in, in an asylum or something. So <laughs> <In Kabul>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now I was wondering when you were saying when you were talking about you know, being on the chip and, and, and getting over here and then um, just before recording, you said you were jet lagged because you flew in from Tahiti. Yeah. Um, so how, how does one sustain oneself or more specifically, maybe if you want to, to say something about this, how do you sustain yourself when you're traveling so much? Uh, you mean uh, in terms of health? Or well, in terms that, 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 of that could be one thing. I mean, there's. Yeah, I don't think you're a Superman, or maybe you are, Harry. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, no. <laughs> but uh, you might have to visit a doctor occasionally, and that takes money. You need to feed yourself, and that costs money. Yeah. You want to yeah, sleep somewhere, yeah. and maybe. Uh, I mean, there's this couch surfing principle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Sure, sure. But that doesn't. Well, look, that's not world worldwide, I guess. Look, from my experience in the travel community, we oh. come in many different shapes and sizes mm -hmm. and cultures and. and and everything. So uh, uh, personally, uh, I'm, I'm, I would say relatively fortunate in that um, I have a few real estate uh, options going mm -hmm. and they provide enough so that I can travel full time. Basically, right. it's not a fortune and people often think, wow, you know, uh, it's so expensive to travel, but really it isn't. And to be honest, in some of the countries now, before I went on this on this ship, I was in Peru. And, you know, a day in Peru is probably an hour in any European country yeah. in terms of cost. So yeah. ultimately, it's not that, that, that expensive. And I think also in terms of sustaining, it means you do need to make choices. And there's some things that you're not going to have. So, you know, I don't have a car. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have... Uh, you know, my flat is small. Well, here in the UK, everyone's flats are small. But, mm -hmm. but you know, it's it's kind of, you know, you, you, you kind of end up making choices because you know that your means are finite. 
and you need to make a compromise. Yeah. And so for me, travel is the important thing. That's where I'm going to give my resources and I'll cut corners elsewhere. Now, in terms of uh, sustaining myself physically, I'll mm -hmm. say it is quite hard because um, traveling so much requires a lot of physical adaptation, mm -hmm. mental adaptation. You know, suddenly within two hours you're in Albania and, and suddenly you need to adapt to the local place very quickly because, you know, we, we big travelers, we tend to come and go very fast. Mm -hmm. uh, so so it requires a huge amount of uh, adaptation, tolerance, understanding and experience uh, to be able to kind of switch mode. Now I'm in Albanian mode. Now I'm in Mongolian mode. Describe these modes, um, Harry. What is the, what, I mean, you, you describe yourself as being European, and then you say you have to adapt to, to what is different from from you being you now and then, then the Albanian mood? Well, mood. I think that this is an interesting question, and, and it's something, it's almost a sense of psyche, but it's also a sense of absorbing what is around you. You know, so when you land in Tirana, suddenly everything is different there. The people are different. They're dressed differently. The traffic in the street is different. You need to be careful of how you cross the road, because if you cross it in the same way you want to cross it in the UK, mm -hmm. you'll probably get killed. Mm -hmm. You know, um, little things like that, that I mean, for, for an ordinary human being, it would take days perhaps to, to be able to adapt to mm -hmm. this, to be conscious of this. For for us bigger travelers, it almost happens automatically now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like a reflex. And I know my Albania mode, you know, the minute I land, I right. know what to expect. And, you know, I know my 20 words of Albanian that that will kind of come to the fore in my head yeah. because I, I need to be aware of those. So uh, that's how it works, kind of. Okay, more that, in the details than in the than in the greater scheme. More okay. in the everyday details that help you uh, quickly come to terms with the place. And um, have you been to North Korea as well? Yeah, you must have. Yes, been. yeah, twice. Yeah. Twice. Okay, so that uh, that's an interesting. Okay, two questions with that. How was your first experience with uh, with North Korea? <laughs> well, you know what? It's very interesting because this is the one country everyone always asks about. Yeah. Uh, well, I the, re the reason that we're sorry for interrupting you, Harry. The reason I'm asking you about this, 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 um, about about North Korea specifically, um, it, there are other countries that are amazingly interesting as well. It's just that I've just recently read the book Camp 14 or Escape from Camp 14. Oh, I read that one. That, yeah, God, that really that's made the a scariest big book I've ever read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really a horror horror book. Um, yeah. Now, look, the thing with North Korea, and this will sound strange. It was one of the easiest trips I've ever done mm. for the simple reason that because you're not free, yeah. you're kind of chaperoned around. They take you where they want. You're not doing anything. You're kind of, you know, it's like yeah. you switch your brain off and they do what they're doing and you just go. Yeah. Obviously, you're kind of absorbing all these strange stimuli around you in amazement. But at the same time, <laughs> there's no stress to that. I mean, I, I often when I'm traveling, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm stressed, but I'm alone. I need to negotiate the environment. I need to find where I'm going to sleep. I need to arrange things. I need to arrange an itinerary or what I'm going to see. In North Korea, there was none of that. Um, I have to say that both trips were fascinating. Uh, it's really like arriving in a, in a different dimension. Uh, it's almost like not being 
on earth. Right. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's very very different, and um, and I think because in both cases I was in a group, which is also something I don't usually do. But with North Korea, you kind of have to go in a group, mm. uh, and so this is becomes a sort of shared experience so it's almost like everyone you've shared north korea with becomes a friend for life because mm. you've survived this rite of passage kind of yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and then and then there's there comes a moment in your life harry where you find yourself in a starbucks in pyongyang or something like that <laughs> i think that will never happen <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it'll take some time but anyways so you then you've done all these countries in and um once and then you you realize I'm going to do this again. <laughs> when did that happen? Well, you know, when I finished the last country, mm -hmm. uh, obviously one of the big questions was, what do I do now? Yeah, uh, you know, you know, now I've done it. So what's left in terms of travel? But you see, by then, uh, my identity was already that of a traveler. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I could say, well, now I'm not a traveler anymore. Uh, and obviously, you may have done the countries, but that doesn't mean you've been everywhere. Sure. And there's a lot of gaps in your understanding. Yeah. I think the first time I was seeing things as a novice, you know, with the amazement and the immaturity of seeing them the first time. And I think then choosing to see them again mm -hmm. is almost like going deeper. And that's when the world finally makes more sense because you already have your first impression uh, so you're not taken by surprise. Mm. Uh, you can go back and then you can, because you already have an image of how it should be, yeah. you can see if that first impression was correct. Uh, you can go deeper into the country, uh, see things or, you know, countries are not uniform. They obviously no. have their regions, their, their different cultures, their different mini cultures. So uh, you can go around and, and uh, investigate the differences within the mm -hmm. country so that's how it happened and it's happening still you know i'm uh, i'm still going around the second time and third time and i guess it's never going to stop <laughs> yeah so and how, how how much time was uh, between your first and second visit to north korea uh in north korea well the first time was 2004 mm -hmm. and the second time was 2015 so and 11 years what was there anything different Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were differences. Yeah. The second time there was much, much more traffic in the streets, uh -huh. many more vehicles. Uh, the first time there was almost nothing. It, it almost felt like everywhere was empty. Mm -hmm. uh, the second time I got the impression that there was a much more vibrant air, mm -hmm. at least within Pyongyang. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a big difference. Um, now, in terms of the people and how we were treated. Yeah. No, I think in in that sense it was pretty much the same. Uh, the same lockdown still. So, well, the same in terms of um, you know limitations, uh -huh, yeah. uh, propaganda, uh, a lot of propaganda. In fact, the second time uh, I was there a bit longer, and and it seemed to me like the propaganda never ended. You know. Uh, mm. So I, I don't know. It, it was it was very much still uh, a controlled environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Now you mentioned it earlier already. I mean, and when you were explaining um, the, your your travels and doing it for the second time, talking about regions, um, and you've divided the world up. I don't know if you did this, or at least that's in your. That was we could hear that in, in the introduction. In twelve hundred and eighty-one regions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When, when yes. does a region become a region? Well, um, on Nomad Mania, we have this kind of idea uh -huh. uh, that countries are not enough. You need to go beyond a country to understand what a country is about. You mm -hmm. can't just say, I've been to Brussels, so I know Belgium. And in fact, Belgium is one very good example where going only to Brussels really doesn't give you the full picture. Mm -hmm. But I think nearly every country has much more to offer than one place. So uh, every country, we start with a with the hypothesis that every country needs to be at least two regions, mm -hmm. unless it's a very small country, you know, like Andorra doesn't need a second region. But, yeah. you know, and then, of course, big countries, uh, which have much more in terms of geography or many more different tribes or different peoples, uh, they need to be divided much more. Uh, now, how exactly they're divided is not perfect science. Uh, we do look at geographical characteristics, uh, at tribal or ethnic differences. We may look at administrative divisions and use them as the basis for regions. But we try as much as possible to be representative in terms of the country. So each country is worth a certain number of regions. Mm. Uh, and the idea is to give a traveler or, or any human being for that matter, a guide to where they should go in order to really understand the place mm. or a country. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I'm looking at your site now, nomadmania.com. And yeah. I see, for instance, I haven't zoomed in yet, but I think you've, you've split up uh, California in three regions. Yes. Yes, For California is, uh, well, because if you think about it, California is the eighth biggest economy in the world, if I'm not mistaken. You know, yeah. it could it could easily function uh, on its own financially, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, it's a state with a lot of contradictions and a lot of differences. You know, everyone thinks of California as this incredibly liberal place, yeah. but I'm not convinced you know if you go inland and if you go further north it's not so liberal and it's not this glitzy you know whatever that people associate with la or san francisco you know it's quite different so i think even in a in a place like california you need a division mm. yeah okay interesting um and i see on your uh now it's it seems to keep, it keeps rotating i see on your website again nomad mania top travelers um, mm -hmm, and yeah. you're, you're leading the pack here with the... Um, oh, I, this is so embarrassing. Well, yeah. <laughs> but it, keep, it keeps jumping. But the, what, can you explain a little bit what the purpose of that is? Uh, well, if you the, want the, to. the purpose of the ranking, you mean? Yeah. Well, um, well, look, what happens is uh, the idea is that it, it's fun. So we've divided the world. We have many different lists, uh, lots of them. And, and when people come onto the site and become members of the site, the idea is that they complete the, the places that they've already visited. Mm -hmm. And based on that, based on the regions, they get a score. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, 
we want to encourage people to travel more. So obviously knowing human psychology, it's like, oh, I've been to these places, but I'm missing all these. So maybe that's where I should be going next. So in a way, we give suggestions. And okay, the purpose of the ranking is just what I'd say, like, good good fun you know it, right. it's not it's not meant to be more than that i find myself now after seven years of the site i find myself now for the first time being at the top of the ranking because i've, I've done an excessive amount of traveling in the past two years mm -hmm. but but now i'm going to let some of my colleagues overtake me because uh <laughs> <laughs> i feel really bad which means that now i'm going to confine myself to europe and not go anywhere else <laughs> okay all right okay well that's yeah. that's good and how, how much time are you going to take for that for for not going anywhere else no, well, for, go for think, europe uh, for covering uh, europe if you want well well as long as it takes mm. you know I, I there's a lot of gaps in europe and and it is my favorite continent so um i think now is a good time to focus on places closer to home yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read on your on your LinkedIn profile uh, uh, there was a comment there which described you as a true professional, reliable, friendly, and goal oriented. Does not give up even when faced with the toughest obstacles. What are, <laughs> yeah. What are some of the obstacles that that you faced during your travels? Oh, low. The, the more notable ones. I mean, you could get sick, you miss a flight. I mean, that that stuff happens to a lot of people. But what really jumps out? Um. Well, I think in many cases, you need to fight rudeness, uh, people who are predisposed negative to, negatively toward you. Uh, I don't want this to sound negative, but let's say w when you're a Caucasian going around the depths of Africa, mm -hmm. uh, this can be really hard psychologically. Can, what, what's and, the story and, and behind think, this, uh, Harry? Can you, can you tell the story behind this? Well, yes. I, I remember, uh, this is going to put a lot of things into perspective, but mm -hmm. I remember when I was on a, on a sort of shared taxi mm -hmm. uh, in Ghana, and, and the taxi was stopped, and then, you know, suddenly they called me, they're like, you, white guy, you, yeah. you know. And, 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 you know, that was the time when, I was really uh, uh, shocked because I realized how awfully rude I felt this person was to call me a white guy, you know, and this is what he saw. He didn't see man, tourist, traveler, foreigner or anything else. He just saw my color and he judged me based on that. Mm. Um, now, you'll tell me, well, what's wrong with you? You know, this has happened in reverse for centuries. Exactly. But I think, but yes, yes. But I think that is a moment of awakening when this has never happened to you before, you yeah. know, and that is psychologically hard. You know, I'm, I'm not being overly sensitive there. I'm just, you know, it was, it was new. It was shocking. Mm. Uh, I, I really felt like I felt like I was being treated like a piece of meat, yeah. you know. Uh, and, you know, this is just one story that I remember now off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. But it gives you the impression of how little incidents can, can drain you or can mm. be difficult. Um, and, I mean, there you just need to be resilient. And you are, above all, I always try to keep my good humor and to smile. Mm. And, and, and I think, you know, being, being half English, what, what helps me is this kind of sense of humor that creeps up even in, in situations where it shouldn't. <laughs> but, uh, but no, but I mean, I think that's why you need resilience when you really want to travel this mm. much, you know, beyond the missed flights and, and, and a lot of 
there are a lot of missed flights and, and things like that. But yeah, I think it, it's more a psychological dimension. Yeah. Okay. Makes good sense. And what is the what is the 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 most astounding like wow uh, moment that happened to you? Um, I think it was when I saw Patala Palace in Lhasa in Tibet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just walking down the street. I mean, I knew the palace was somewhere, but the way Lhasa is, they're kind of buildings, and you and you just walk down the road, mm-hmm. and then suddenly you cross an avenue and the palace is just in front of you Ooh, and then yeah. and you know flanked by mountains behind uh-huh. and and i just remember seeing this and I, I, because i didn't know it would it would be there you know i didn't i didn't realize it was what i was going to see next and i was just like stunned mm. and and i think it was one of the few times in my life where i've just frozen for like five minutes Mm -hmm. just staring at something and not being able to believe my eyes Mm -hmm. uh for those who've been to patala palace they probably understand why Mm -hmm. it's it's really this incredibly strong structure with it flanked by mountains and and somehow Mm -hmm. it exudes this holiness it's difficult to explain Mm -hmm. okay yeah it's uh i'm I'm listening to what to what you're saying and also that that these um these impressions can can be so different. I mean, like the, the wowness, if anything, uh, can be so different. Uh, I mean, I guess for different people as well, and and for you happening. And it, I think it, it's the more the more wow is when it's unexpected. I guess. Well, this is it. You see, yeah. I mean, if you know what to expect, then you'll never be taken by surprise yeah. so much. You know. Uh, of course, there have been very many wow moments involving people. Yeah. Uh, and often what does surprise me, in order to balance what I said before, you know, what, what always surprises me positively is human kindness yeah. in situations that you wouldn't expect it. And I think this is the good message, you know, where where people just show their humanity. And this never ceases to both surprise me and, and make me a big optimist about the world, you know. Yeah. Still, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is there is there any any could you could you say well this is the most challenging this has been the most will be the most challenging country and what is your most loved country or, or region? Well, look, there's many challenging countries. Uh, the ones that we in the travel community consider challenging tend to be the ones which have a hard visa policy. Mm. So, I mean that that is often just circumstantial and is not really a reflection of the country in terms of what it is, yeah. you know. Uh, um, I will say that um, Nigeria was was really a, a challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and, and I know Nigeria quite well. So um, my trip there involved really going around to almost every region of the country. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult place. It's difficult for the locals. And you can imagine when you're a foreigner how difficult and it what is. makes it difficult there, Harry? Everything. Uh, so, I mean, from the most simple things like getting gas, Mm-hmm. Uh, and you would have thought that being a country that has, yeah, has no, no, gas no. reserves, but no, I mean, um, getting gas was hard. I've seen Changing. the queues there, indeed. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's a weird <laughs> have thing. You, have, you, have you been to I've been to I've been to Nigeria, yes. Right, right. So then you might know. Then, I mean, um, everything from like hotel reservations, which disappear, are not honored. And then you have to fight for the hotel room because it's late and you have nowhere else to go. And then mm-hmm. now it ends up being a shouting match. Everything from taking a photograph 
because then you get like 10 people coming and asking you for money because they need to give you permission to take photos of this area because mm. they live there and that's why they yeah. safeguard it or this is what they believe, you know. Yeah, yeah. So from little things like that to, you know, food that I found, un, you know, uneatable basically, mm -hmm. uh, you know, way too spicy and, and impossible to, to eat, you know. So all that makes it just one difficult place that doesn't mean i didn't enjoy it and it doesn't mean i didn't have a good time there yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. i'm just mean it's difficult yeah. uh, in fact in fact the difficulties might make it better because from a traveler perspective you then have this sense of satisfaction you know it's, it's really hard but i'm really doing this you know yeah. so <laughs> so you know it means more in the end yeah yeah and your most uh, loved loved country or region Well, I, I really hesitate to answer this question because it, it, it simplifies too much. Mm. And then the world is so diverse. Uh, how can you compare the Seychelles to Brazil, uh, to, to, I don't know, Laos or something? These, you can't compare apples and oranges. Mm. I have a number of favorites. I think, uh, you know, if, if, I, if I can give you a number, then, then I'd say Ethiopia, Mexico, Portugal, uh, Iran, Japan, uh, these are countries I really enjoy, but all for entirely different reasons, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, makes good sense. Um, I'm looking at the time here, um, and you asked me before I, I hit record, how long is this going to take? I said about 30 minutes. We're about 35 minutes now in the conversation. You're and joking. I... Oh, it seems like we just started. Yeah, oh, no, well, seriously. Right. <laughs> no, I can, I'm looking at the counter here. Um, I have, um, let's see, a couple of questions. Why do this, Harry? I don't know. Well, why not? <laughs> I mean, um, I can't really find any other meaning in life now. Mm -hmm. uh, at this point, I think I'm already addicted. Yeah. There's nothing else that really makes sense anymore. Right. Uh, it's like this... I think also because I'm aware of what there is out there and how yeah. many things there are, um so you know i just want to experience as much as possible see as much as there is uh -huh. uh, you know and just learn from from people and from situation yeah okay how how big is you is, is the the group you, you talk about we travelers how big is that group well in the strictest sense uh of kind of a core of travelers who really know each other well mm -hmm. and travel well together. I'd say we're about 60 or 70, oh, okay. you know, we, we communicate. I mean, okay. The very inner core is, is maybe 20, 25, but mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's, it's, it's very international. And, and what's nice is that it's people of, uh, different ages, mm -hmm. very different backgrounds, uh, different financial situations. You know, it, it's not in any way uniform. The only thing that is, um, it tends to be mainly men. Uh, I have no idea why. Uh, yeah. There are a few brave women in this, but not too many. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's 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 a travel bug, I think. Um, mm, maybe, yeah. yeah <laughs> All right, Harry, I, I want to I want to round it up really because um, otherwise we keep on talking and talking. And um, so one of my last questions is, can you give us three tips to become more culturally competent from all your travels? Well, I think one thing is to open your eyes and be aware of the world as you see it uh, at the moment or at the place you're in rather than with what you're coming. This mm -hmm. is one thing. 
The second thing is to read more about differences in culture uh, and again to embrace them rather than judge them ethnocentrically. I think this is very important, uh, especially if you're traveling. You know, it's very easy to dismiss a different place uh, because you, you come with your own perspective. Now, the third one, mm-hmm. um, I would say, is to try to meet different people within the same country in order to see just how diverse a place is. Because uh, I think as people, we tend to put labels on nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we have these stereotypes and it's like 60 million Brits are all the same and yeah. 60 million Italians are all the same. Obviously, it's not like that. So I think if you make an effort to meet and communicate with different people rather than the same type of people, mm-hmm. then you will really achieve that. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Very interesting. Um How can people meet you or meet you or get in touch with you if they want to? Well, uh, Nomad Mania is open to everyone. And uh, and uh, I spent a lot of free time on the site managing it. They can always email me through the site. Yeah. I'm available on Facebook, although I don't really use it much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm one of those passive people who doesn't put anything there, but I am on there. Okay. And if I get a message on Facebook, I will answer it. Um, and yeah, that's it. I'm Harry Nomad on Instagram, uh-huh. and occasionally I post some photos. Uh, that's it. And then there's my LinkedIn, although that's a sort of professional profile, and at the moment I'm not very professionally involved. <laughs> but uh, but again, if people write to me on LinkedIn, I will see it. Yeah. Excellent. All right. And, well, and, thank I'd, you. and I'd be very glad to, by the way. Okay. All right. Good. 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 Sounds very. Um, uh, it's, it sounds like an invitation here. <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, thanks so much for um, for taking the time out of your. I was going to say busy schedule, but I'm not sure if you're really if you're really busy or if you could be busy as being a traveler. Um, so you'd be surprised. Yeah, I'd be surprised. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I learned something at least. Well, thanks for um, for sharing your um, part of your experience as a uh, professional traveler. I would say, and I'm pretty sure thank we'll you. bump into each other in the future. I hope so. Thank you so much, Chris. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you again, Harry, for talking about North Korea, talking about understanding or actually speaking Serbian almost fluently. We went pretty much across the, the globe, across the map. Well, this is the end of the uh, the Culture Matters podcast. This was episode number 124. Again, if you haven't subscribed, please do so or leave and or leave a review in iTunes as well. The music you're hearing in the background is from Bensound. Check it out at bensound.com. My name is Chris Smith, and this was the Culture Matters podcast. Two weeks ago, we had Lynette Louise on the show, and we talked about autism in a uh, from a cultural standpoint. Check that episode episode out as well. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in two weeks' time. Bye. That's it for this episode. Culture Matters, making you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution.